Hello and welcome to Chapter 2 of The Pendant Shakespeare Presents Henry VI, Part 1. I am Jeff Robinson, Director of Pendant Shakespeare, joined by Adam Blanford, who is Director of Pendant Seminar, as well as starring as Lord Talbot in this production of Henry VI. Adam, it's great to have you. Thanks for having me. It's, been, it's great to be here. And, uh, of course, we just heard your voice at the beginning in your role as a credits announcer of uh, Pendant Shakespeare and all of Pendant Productions, which we appreciate. Uh, so to start off with, uh, let's uh, go through this scene here. We've got um, we've got Walter Mack as the uh, master gunner, and uh, we've got uh, Julia Eve as the gunner's boy. Uh, this is a fun scene to edit with uh, Walter and Julia both doing a great job making it as over-the-top, uh, kind of ridiculous as possible with the friends. French accents. Um, at first, Walter uh, recorded it with a with a you know American accent or his standard accent, I should say. And uh, I came back to him and said, uh, "If you've got time, would love it if you could give this a, a spin with a French accent, make it as as humorous as you possibly can." And he, uh, to his credit, uh, which I really appreciated, did uh, did a fantastic job. Came back with uh, with his cartoonish French accent here, which is exactly what we're going for, and uh, did and did some awesome work. So that was a fun scene and kind of layering in the uh, cannon sounds as the, the gunner, et cetera, uh, kind of handled uh, the cannon and everything. And uh, that uh, is a little bit of foreshadowing there, as you'll yeah. learn in just a couple minutes here, where uh, the action changes quite significantly in uh, in just a moment. So, yep. so this one was full of uh, fun sound effects to layer <laughs> throughout the entire episode but now we're getting to uh, adam uh, your role as uh, lord talbot the largest role in this in the entire production by far in terms of lines of dialogue i think uh, when i was looking on some database of how many lines lord talbot had versus other characters in the show it's like 400 and something lines that you've got <laughs> overall uh so so yeah no small part for sure but um Tell us a little bit about uh, the challenges of playing playing Lord Talbot and uh, the unique voice you brought this to this character, kind of making him sound a little bit more more mature, I would say. Uh, well, general. you know, the uh, to, to create the character, you know, I, I remember asking you, you know, what what age did you want him to be? Because you know, um, the British accent is one of the standard ones in my state. Yep. Table. So you know, I can age it up or age it down as needed. And so you told me you wanted him to be, you know, kind of middle-aged. And so I, I kind of stuck with that. And then I I read a little bit about Talbot. Um, I did some research because he was he's a unique figure. He's he was a real historical figure. And uh, he was captured by the French. And he was uh, honor-bound when he was released. He, they said, you will be released, but you are not allowed to wear armor against the French. And so Talbot said, okay. And so he went into battle and he refused to wear armor and, wow. and so he was out there directing troops but he had nothing to protect him but he's like i'm still going to take it take the battle to you so <laughs> have fun with that um so i i kind of brought that kind of um roguishness that he had and that kind of the, i tried to be a little bit more ruthless with uh the, with his character because he's he's just that kind of personality right and uh so he you know i i, I had the accent i had the, the kind of ideas of, of how to interpret the character and then you know the, i mean the main challenge here is you know you're using you're, you're you're saying so many lines of dialogue and so you have to figure out how to how to uh 
interpret the lines differently you know how, what am i going to do here what's the pacing what's the emotion i can put in here and have it be realistic um you know and and you know like we do everything we do it all asynchronously so we don't have the other actors audio to play off of right and so it's really kind of imagining the various ways that the other actors might react to you and and responding accordingly and if you're able to do that then you know you're in, you're in good shape but uh, it was a lot of fun to, to be able to to start playing Talbot, um, I I play a lot of character roles and a lot of supporting actor roles, and it's it's rare that I step in to the to the front, and uh, so it was really fun to be able to step up and, and you know have this really significant part to play, and uh, so it was great fun. Yeah, and and you absolutely deliver, and uh, you'll we'll hear you more in this scene, the next scene, and uh, the closing scene of this particular episode so so really is a great introduction to the talbot character overall and uh, that moment that i just alluded to uh that that just happened uh the, the cannon fire really kind of interrupting the scene and uh you know really exciting i hope for for listeners to to take in you you, you think you're hearing a, a regular conversation between talbot and salisbury and gargrave and all of a sudden nope cannonball coming right through the middle of the scene uh, taking out Salisbury and Gargrave and uh, leaving uh, Lord Talbot to basically clean up the mess here. Um, so, I, I, there's there's always been a little bit of comedy in this scene to me because he, he shares like five lines of dialogue with Salisbury and then Salisbury dies. And that's kind of one of his main motivators for going back and, and, and beating up the French. It is. Is yeah. that I'm avenging this guy I've known for about a minute and a half uh, <laughs> exactly. from the audience. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think you mentioned Salisbury's death at least like another three or four times in just this episode alone. It's like, man, yeah. he's really hung up on this Salisbury guy, huh? <laughs> he maybe likes his steak. I don't know. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and here we have uh, Maya Murphy returning uh, from the first episode as the messenger, uh, kind of a recurring role that uh, you'll you'll hear a lot throughout this production, doing a terrific job. Yep. Uh, delivering Surgeon the Buskill. news. Exactly. <laughs> and, every, uh, every time she appears, there's bad news. Yeah. So. <laughs> this was a great line here. I'll be a Salisbury to you. Yeah, this is where you're saying, you know what, French? Frenchies, you've got it coming, and I am about so, to kick some ass. Just for the just for the audience, that the my my script line in here was uh, badass speech or rising intensity. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, how am I going to do this? How am I going to sound badass yep. as a middle aged Brit? Um, <laughs> but I kept thinking of of of, of, of uh, Doc Holiday in. Uh, what is it? Uh, Tombstone. And he's like, I'll be your Huckleberry. And I'm like, I, that's kind of what I'm channeling right here. True, true. So kind of an abrupt transition here between scenes, uh, between uh, Lord Talbot ruminating on Salisbury's death to right in the thick of battle, where, you know, Joan LaPoussel, I envision at least riding on a horse, swinging her sword around, uh, taking out Lord Talbot's men left and right. And you're like, what? What the crap, guys? Like, why are you guys getting your ass kicked so bad here? <laughs> yeah, Talbot's kind of like, wait a minute, I should have just stayed in prison. I mean, it would have been, would have been, would have been more honor. <laughs> Hi, and this was a fun one. Uh, your hand-to-hand -hand combat here directly with uh, with Joan. And yep. uh, both of you, uh, I should note, you know, when you're uh, when you're doing battles in audio drama, it's always critical. Ask your actors to do as many like random grunts and interjections and shouts and stuff as you possibly can, because it is vital. 
because uh, you know you think about it if you're in a real life sword battle with somebody you know you're not just gonna do it silently and let your sword do all the work no you're you're exerting yourself you're going you know that kind of stuff that feels awkward to record you know when you're by yourself but it's it totally makes the scene a uh, hundred times better yeah and it's not just about doing a random grunt it's are you desperate are you yep. are you uh, flamboyant like how are you how are you doing this because here it's like Talbot's. You know, Talbot's got no fear. He's like, I'm going to take the switch on him. I'm going to, I'm going to kick her ass. And yep. <laughs> um, so I was like, he's going to show no fear. And uh, Pucelle's the same way. I got God on my side. What? How can I lose? Exactly. But uh, Talbot's not happy because uh, his troops have gotten their butts kicked. Yep. And uh, this was supposed to be his return to the battlefield, and you know he's like, I, I should have just got stayed in prison. They, I, the food's better exactly yeah yeah you can really hear the mental anguish um in your voice here and uh you know, you know as you're ruminating on like how did i get here like how on earth did i get here like why am i on this battlefield losing so badly uh to this woman and to the french uh so so love the transitions your character goes through in this scene and here again you know you're chastising the troops and and bringing up lord salisbury yet again hung up on his death and, uh, you know, that's kind of a cool transition, too, where you go from pensive and introspective to basically chewing out your men and saying, hey, get get your stuff together, guys, like for crying out loud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another uh, another moment here where the music, uh, you know, really, really adds to the scene, adds to the tension here. Um, as uh, as things are going on, so many different things happening in the background of the scene, you know that you, that you got to capture. Yep. Now we transition back to the French. Yep, and uh, the battle drums going on in the background as uh, as uh, Joan, uh, you know, rallies the troops uh, again here uh, as we did in episode one. Want to plug Cat uh, Peterson again for a phenomenal performance as as Joan of Arc and uh, really can envision her, her character, uh, you know, truly shouting to the troops and, and rallying them. Um, love the energy that she brings here. And uh, again, Kendra Murray as uh, Charles the Dauphin as well, um, rounding rounding out the cast and uh, Josh Kibbe and uh, Bruce Davis as the, the Duke, uh, Renier rather, and the Duke of Alençon respectively. Um, providing the comic relief so many so many great performances and can't wait to get back to these characters and in future episodes of the of the production for sure they have such challenging like just just saying some of the some of the uh, historical references here yep that uh that uh charles has to say is just amazing yeah, you know, that's one thing that uh, I, I did a little bit of and, and uh, probably should invest some more time in uh, before the rest of the episodes here. And, you know, actually not just researching the play, but researching the, the events behind the play, um, you know, because this is a, a history, uh, you know, one of Shakespeare's many histories. So really uh, rooted in historical fact, obviously uh, dramatized for sure and fictionalized mm -hmm. in many different ways. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's important to keep in mind these are all real folks uh, being being portrayed here. And so now uh, out of the battle drums over to um, 
the French uh, guarding their guarding their castle here, and uh, Lord Talbot planning a sneaky invasion of sorts. Uh, so this is kind of a fun scene with uh, with you and uh, Bedford and the Duke of Burgundy, kind of uh, whispering on the side of the castle here. When others sleep upon their quiet beds, constrained to watch in darkness raining. Oh, a quick plug here as well for Cindy Woods as uh, one of these guards, another uh, recurring pendant uh, performer who mm -hmm. uh, was just starting the double falsehood in many, many different roles and returned as a ensemble member or utility player in this production as well. Uh, we always, you know, really, really appreciate these <laughs> these actors and actresses who are able to be versatile and fill in so many different parts in uh, in just one production. Uh, you heard Zendi as a messenger in the episode one. Uh, here she's a French soldier. In the next episode, she'll be kind of a rabble rouser. So uh, her and Walter Mack, uh, two of our you know leading kind of ensemble members in this production, uh, just as vital as as anybody else in the rest of the cast in in bringing this dialogue to life for sure. Yeah. I mean, you have to you have to switch between so many different characters. Sometimes in the same episode, yeah, other times in the same sure. scene. Like exactly, it, it depends on what, how things are are uh, are scripted, and so yeah, the the ensembles are are fantastic, and uh, the just the cast overall is is, is really great. Absolutely, and I should note uh, on that note here, we have Gareth Boley uh, uh, joining the production for the first time here in this episode as uh, the Duke of Duke of Burgundy. You heard him as. Uh, why am I forgetting his character's name? Uh, he, he played your father. Alonzo. That's right. Yeah. That's right. In um, in uh, Double Falsehood, uh, terrific performance there. He's been in Seminar. He's been in so many different pen and productions. So uh, welcome yep. back, Gareth. He was Great your sidekick in Seminar. That's right. That's right. He was the uh, Winthrop to my uh, Doctor Oblidio, one of uh, my favorite performances ever. <laughs> so yes, uh, great guy. He's uh, been on numerous other audio dramas like Star yep. Trek Defiant and uh, many others. If you're a listener of many there, audio there dramas, Excelsior. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. Excelsior. Um, that's the one I was thinking yeah, of. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And now we transition here uh, after the the attack back to the French, again, bringing in some comic music here to set the tone for the scene. Uh, you know, these these Frenchmen are literally getting out of bed, rubbing their eyes. They've been half asleep. So, uh, so yeah, I just want to emphasize. Exactly. Yep. Of all exploits since first I followed arms. So this was a funny scene where um, I uh, ended up recording my lines as the Bastard of Orléans twice because I was kind of not not quite of sort of getting at, uh, I didn't feel like I was totally getting at what he was supposed to be saying right here with that line where he says, uh, Holy Joan was his defensive guard. And I found uh, one interpretation of the scene basically saying, hey, you know, Charles and Joan are sneaking in. Like, should we assume that they were up to some hijack? together of a of a certain nature um, before they did so i kind of reread the line we're saying oh holy joan was his defensive guard you know with kind of a double double meaning there um you know basically uh, suggesting that they were up to some hanky panky before sneaking in i don't know whether that's what shakespeare intended but uh, uh that's what one interpretation i found you know suggested heavily so i said all right let's go with it <laughs> 
Yeah, it's kind of helpful to to find uh, you know some of these various translations out there from time to time if you're having trouble understanding a certain piece of dialogue. Um, there are various websites that will you know kind of take it and translate it into kind of modern English to help you sort of break it down. And sometimes it's really necessary, at least for me personally, to to say you know really get at exactly what what Shakespeare is saying, since the grammar and such can be vastly different from what we're used to day to day. True. But if you do enough of it, then it's, you start to really understand it yeah, on first sure. read, and that really helps. And um, But getting that deeper you know, textual interpretation, that the research is essential. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and yeah, I should mention, uh, I think I mentioned in the last episode, but again, um, you know, so many performers, uh, yourself first and foremost, Adam, in this uh, in this production have got these these lines of dialogue that, you know, one single take will stretch on for three to four minutes. Yep. And uh, we ask our actors to do three to five takes of each line. So you're talking about a serious investment of time, um, especially if you want to give like multiple interpretations of how a line goes or yep. pause in a different place when you read the line a second or a third time. Uh, it's always helpful to, to me as the director when our actors take the time to do that and, yep. uh, and really helps and uh, rounds out the production for sure. Here. Yeah, these, these massive blocks of dialogue. Sometimes, yeah, it's it's kind of your 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 best guess at how long it's going to take. Sometimes it's so long you just do one or two. Exactly. Because you know, if a seven minute monologue, you don't really want to do three times. Right. Every drop of blood was drawn from him. There have at least five Frenchmen died. Now here we are at uh, Salisbury's funeral. Once again, uh, Lord Talbot pining for. Uh, for his buddy, even if he only knew him for 90 seconds. <laughs> uh, he's ready to build a build a monument. Exactly. <laughs> Though it's really more of a screw you to the French. You're like, hey, listen, this is the guy you killed. You get to see him every day. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to learn more about Lord Salisbury and his significance. Probably had a deeper role in history than his relatively small role in this play would, would suggest. Yeah. Well, it, it's hard to, like, I only found a couple of references to Talbot, but they mm. talked about his character and it's like, you know, there's got to be something more. There's got to be, there's got to be some kind of biography of the guy because he was a really colorful character. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Plug here for E. Rachel Ward as uh, Bedford. You'll also hear as a different character named uh, Mortimer later on in the production. Uh, in fact, uh, in the next episode, episode three, where she plays uh, kind of this aging kind of 90-year-old prisoner uh, rotting in a jail cell. And uh, really cool to hear that uh, that voice that you'll, you'll hear in the next episode and her, her versatility. Uh, some excellent work by uh, E. Rachel Ward once again. All hail, my lords. Which of this princely train call you the warlike Talbot? You know, every time uh, I bring a horse so into a scene, I always end, you know, the horse's yeah. steps with a, a neighing <laughs> sound. Got to figure out a different way to do it because well, I feel like it's a cliche. Blow, they got to blow the, the air through the nostrils. But... Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We'll experiment with that for sure. <laughs> uh, so now the messenger is talking about uh, or foreshadowing the next scene. Uh, with uh, the Countess of Auvergne, you'll hear momentarily. That's a, a fun one that you'll hear in just a minute. 
when ladies crave to be encountered with. I wanted to add some music here suggesting, hmm, there's something a little bit fishy about this Countess of Verne. Uh, and you will hear yep. very shortly that that turns out to be true. Yet have a woman's kindness overruled. And therefore... It is uh, kind of interesting, though. I, I, in editing this scene, I thought to myself, like, why would Lord Talbot go to like a French woman's house? Like, does he does he not suspect that she's trying to she's trying to do something? Like, I, I'm I'm racking my brain trying to figure out exactly why he agreed to that in the first place. Well, like the the first time that I uh, that I read the script, I, I did the interpretation of it, and he with the lady's courtesy. I thought, hmm, does he want to go, you know, is he going to go and have a one-night stand? Is that True. what she really wants? And then I was reading reading more. It's like, no, she wants to capture him. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I, I, yeah, the, this is a very, he knows there's a trap. And that's, that's part of it is that when I play the character, the interpretation that I have is that he's, you know, he really doesn't have much fear. He doesn't worry about death. Mm. And He's just a complete smartass, and so, you know, I, that's kind of how I approach it. It's like art imitating life. I didn't have to work that hard. So here we have Gail Wamba as the Countess of Auvergne. You heard her in uh, Pericles as as um, Thaliard, the assassin. Um, so great to have uh, Gail coming back, another longtime pendant player to this production, and uh, love what she did with her French accent. Sounds uh, really oh yeah. Really natural and really well done. And this is a this is a hilarious moment where she's like, "Is this Lord Talbot? You know, this guy's a this guy's a wimp. This guy's a scarecrow, <laughs> right?" <laughs> I mean, he could have said, "Look, I was in prison for like six months, right?" So you know, you tell me some slack, lady. Things, you know, you you tend to lose some pounds, right? <laughs> So yeah, kind of a great example of how this this character is is really. Uh, it might be a serious scene, but there's definitely much humor to be found for sure. No question, there always is. <laughs> I love that line in particular. I have been bold to trouble you. So now I'll just uh, get out of here. What means he now? Go ask him whether he goes. Stay, my lord Talbot, or my lady and, and so when I'm, I'm, I'm just like, yeah, he knows that there's something up. He's already prepared for it. Exactly. He's not worried about it at all. Nope. He knows what he's doing. Then art thou prisoner? Prisoner? To whom? To me. Here she is rattling the keys. Uh, kind of a, uh, you know, one of those many things that... You know, it not isn't necessarily spelled out in the dialogue, but you gotta take those moments as as a director to to say, hey, how can I work a sound effect in here and add add some color to the scene? It might not always be completely obvious the first time you read through a script, but uh, mm -hmm. if you catch those subtle things, you can bring in new elements and new sounds that really liven it up for sure. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's always the little details that people pick out. Yep. So that creates the realism in the scene, and so the the effects are everything. And it was really well done. I love the uh, laugh that you just gave us there, Adam. It uh, it can be hard when you're when you're recording your lines solo and you have nobody else to react off, as you as you said earlier, um, to kind of you know do a laugh and have it sound natural can be really really challenging. Otherwise, you know, if you if you don't. 
put a lot of energy into it and really get into the character, it can sound really forced and unnatural. So kudos to you for, for delivering many, many laughs in your recording that uh, all hit the nail on the head. Well, thank you. <laughs> you. I, I, I tend to, the, the laps are really, I, I enjoy doing the laps. Um, and the only risk is that you end up sounding like a, a mustache twirling villain. Right. And, uh, so it requires a lot of, a lot of control to really get that, that tempo in the laughter. Exactly. How can these contrarieties agree? <laughs> More of a subtle chuckle here. Love this moment. Colin and the dogs to attack. And of course, Lord Talbot gets the last laugh for sure. Not so easy to capture him. Yeah. He's just like, hey, look, I may be a scarecrow, but these guys are my body. Yep. We're we came to kick ass and chew bubble gum, and it hasn't been invented yet, so, you know. <laughs> Good point. Maybe it had. Maybe it was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know, but just had to put a, you know, horror reference in there. <laughs> uh, this particular track is one that we used uh, many times in Pericles, Prince of Tyre, and was was yep. like, uh, should I recycle this track? Will listeners notice? I'm like, nah, I gotta use it. I gotta use it. Uh, Josh Mullen, again, doing such terrific work. Um, if it fits, it fits. You know? Exactly, it, yep. The challenge is not to use the same music in every episode. Like that That's a yep. rule that I have with seminars. Yep. I will not use the same music if I can help it. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, I try to find some variety for sure. But uh, Josh Mullen has such a terrific library to choose from and uh, so many albums and so many different moods, whether it's melancholy, whether, whether it's anger, whether it's, you know, oh, yeah. explosive action. So much stuff to work with that we're, we're blessed with in our pendant music library and uh, talented composer for sure. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we wouldn't be able to, to do these productions without him. Exactly. Well, we would. I mean, we we used to use Incompetech, but uh, that's right. You know, having access to to Mullen's music is great. Yep. Yeah, I believe you can hear a lot of his stuff in, in commercial films and such too. So yeah, he's got a believe it. lot of experience he's for sure. Got that. Uh, he's definitely got that feel. Yep. All right. Well, that carries us to uh, the end of this episode. Uh, two out of uh, seven episodes done so far, releasing on a monthly schedule. So we look forward to seeing you next month for episode three and then uh, throughout the rest of the year as we uh, continue this series. And uh, really appreciate everybody who's been along for the ride. Really appreciate our cast. Really appreciate uh, you, Adam, and uh, the terrific work you've done so far and will do throughout the rest of this production. Thanks to everybody for listening and we will catch you again for episode three in one month thank you all right thanks for thanks for tuning in